It's time for the OTH Daily Podcast. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. Good morning, and welcome to the OTH Daily Podcast. I'm your host, the man behind the mic, Christian Rao. We have a great episode for you today, January 15th, 2020. Let's get you through the middle of your work week and get you ready for the weekend. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of events that happened last night, some crazy things in football, an upset in college hoops, and of course, we will discuss hockey, as always, our hockey director, for OTH Matt Zader as we do every Wednesday here at the OTH Daily. So without further ado, let's get started. Matthew Zader is the director for OTH Hockey Department. You can find him on Twitter at Matthew Zader SC. Hey, Matt, how you doing? Good morning, and welcome back to the OTH Daily Podcast. I'm doing good. So, like every Wednesday morning, Matt, I want to get back into it with our hockey talk here. If you don't know, Matt is the director for OTH's hockey department. This guy has knowledge for days when it comes to hockey, and as always, really excited to have him on the air. And let's just get started right away. One of the conversations that we've been having uh, in the in the forums on OTH and throughout the Twitterverse is the all-star game with the all-star game snubs and additions. And uh, I'd really like to hear your take on who you think shouldn't have made it or did make it and really deserves it who, or who was snubbed. I'd like to hear your take on this one as we start off this Wednesday morning here for hockey talk. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, uh, just for, for uh, Canucks fans, Quinn Hughes uh, getting voted in for the last man in uh, that's exciting. Um, biggest, biggest snub that I think is, uh, Kale McCarr, uh, in Colorado. I mean, he's probably one of the favorites for the Calder trophy and he's not going to be there. Uh, one of the more exciting defensemen in the league too, which would kind of be uh, pretty exciting to see the NHL showcase that and snubs for like Brad Marchand. He's been in the news lately as well with the, the shootout attempt that he had <laughs> the other day that he missed the puck there. But, uh, I mean, he's having a really, really good season. He didn't make the All-Star game, too. And when it comes to the All-Star game, that game will be happening uh, quite quickly. It'll be happening January 25th. And it'll happen in St. Louis, the home of the defending Stanley Cup champions. It's going to be really impressive. It's going to be uh, the fifth consecutive All-Star game that uses a four-team, three-on-three, single elimination format, which to me I think is really exciting. I think it's a, a nice change of pace uh, and makes it an entertaining game. Are you excited for the All-Star game? Oh, definitely. Um, in the last, uh, the first time that three uh, Canucks are going to be in the All Star game, which um, haven't had that in a while. <laughs> I mean, we've had uh, rookies come in uh, last three years, which is uh, I don't know if it it's quite unheard of to have uh, a rookie in the last three years coming to the All Star game. So it's it's definitely be exciting, especially with the three on three format. It's a lot better than the high scoring. Uh, 20-minute games that they had in the past, which kind of got tiresome. As you were just bringing up that you uh, 
are a big fan of Can- the Canucks. You are a contributor for the Hockey Writer and a couple other places that you write about the Vancouver Canucks. So as we sit here and talk about Hockey Talk, I'd like to get a pulse check on how Vancouver's doing so far this season. Uh, I mean, they've had a really impressive season so far. I had their ups and downs um, last. They went on a little bit of a two games in Florida that uh, kind of looked they didn't look very good, but uh, they've won the last two. Overall, they've had a really impressive season. Uh, lots of the young players uh, being quite impressive. Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson. Um, yeah, it's an exciting future for the Canucks. And they, they're right in the conversation for the playoffs, too, which is exciting. I'm here with Matt Zader, the hockey director for OTH, here on a Wednesday morning at the OTH Daily. And Matt, you know, we were talking about the All-Star Game, stuff that's really exciting, stuff to be happy about, but... Not all hockey is happy at this moment, and there's a couple situations that are a little awkward and a little weird, and right now one of those uh, different situations, upsetting situations, are happening in New Jersey. Would you like to cover mm-hmm. what's going down there with the Devils organization? I mean, it's it's quite surprising to see what's happened so far this season. I mean, in the offseason, you know, they're looking really good with their offseason moves and getting Jack Hughes in the you know, first overall and signing all these players that trained for P.K. Subban. Um, you know, they they were looking like they were a team that was going to turn it around, and then all of a sudden it kind of went off the rails. Jack Hughes didn't start very well. Uh, their additions weren't doing. Then they have to trade, end up trading Taylor Hall or one of their stars too. So you get a whole overhaul with their coaches, um, a coach getting fired, and then just recently Ray Shiro was fired too. So they're in a bit of an upheaval right now, so we don't know what's happening there. P.K. Subban, as you said, someone that they just picked up this offseason, he hasn't requested a trade, and as of right now, it doesn't look like he's going to before the deadline happens. Do you think that's a good idea for Subban, and uh, do you give that him some respect for actually sticking in with this New Jersey team? I mean, I actually, I respect that a lot. I mean, you know, he gets traded there, and right when he was acquired, he he came out and was quite excited to join the organization. So it's it's good character for him to actually stick around and be part of this rather than just saying, well, I want I want out now. And, uh, you know, and that's yeah, that's a, I think it's a good thing for him instead of just demanding a trade to get out of a bad situation. Speaking of a bad situation, another thing going down is in Nashville and uh, the Predators are also having some situations go down. Uh, go ahead and, and touch base on that. What's happening in Nashville. I mean, Peter Laviolette is out there. Uh, it's it's an interesting situation there too. I mean, they're not completely out of the conversation for the playoffs. Um, and Laviolette's been, you know, doing a pretty good job in Nashville over the last couple seasons. Um, you know, and in the end, it's kind of I think they maybe thought if they needed a, a bit of a change. Um, they're not scoring as much as they they we talked about it the other and the last uh, episode about it and uh, they're just their defense scoring, not their forwards. So we'll see what the new coaching staff can do. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they can turn it around and make the playoffs after all this. I'd like to move back over to the Eastern conference and talk about the Washington capitals, a team that is only a few years removed from winning their first ever Stanley cup. And Nicholas Backstrom signs a pretty hefty deal. Five years, $46 million with the contract. Uh, with, with the extension with the Capitals there, uh, it's going to be an average annual value of about $9.2 million. That's a pretty big deal in hockey as of right now. And the Capitals 
they are aging, especially their first line teams like our players like obviously Alexander Ovechkin. He's having a pretty decent season right now. The Capitals as a whole having a good season. Ovechkin's closing in on top 10 in NHL goals for the Capitals in general. 486 mm-hmm. uh, goals total. That's almost he's you know four from passing Mario Lemieux. That's it's pretty pretty impressive. But your thoughts on this contract extension, and then your thoughts on Washington as a whole looking forward for the rest of the season. Um, I know Nick, Nicholas Backstrom is a huge, a huge part of that team. I mean, they had to do it. Uh, you know, they got, they got guys that Kuznetsov still in his, you know, approaching his prime years too. And Backstrom's still a huge part of that team. Um, and he's been, I just wrote an article actually on hockey writers about, uh, the top five passers in the last decade. And he was on it. Uh, and it's huge of what he's done over his career. Uh, probably one of the better two-way uh, centermen as well. And if he did hit the open market, I mean, every team would be lining up to get him. So, I mean, Washington's still in their window for winning Stanley Cup. So it was, uh, I think it was a good deal. Now, as we finish off discussing the NHL with our director for OTH for the hockey department here, Matt Zader, here on a Wednesday morning. Matt, I'd like to discuss something that, you know, some of the big prospect fans around the sports world will really be excited about now that we're getting closer and closer to the all-star break. And that's the NHL draft, the 2020 NHL draft. Uh, we can start talking about it now. A lot of the big websites are starting to talk about their mocks themselves. I'd like to just talk about, you know, maybe the first overall pick, maybe a suggestion of what team you think might hold that first overall pick. And then who do you think is the unanimous number one pick if there is one at this moment? Well, right now it's, it's, Hands down, Alex Lafreniere. He was very impressive in the World Juniors, uh, for one. It was one of the bigger players for Canada there, and he didn't hurt his stock at all. He he basically just kind of solidified his first overall pick status, and he's probably going to be going first overall uh, once the draft comes around. I don't see – I mean, there's Byfield. There's uh, Lucas Raymond there too, so – uh, there is some contenders, but I say Lafreniere is the consensus pick right now. And now if there was any team, I know there's a couple teams that are uh, sitting at the bottom and obviously there is a lottery system, but you have any prediction that could, who's going to hold that number one seed uh, for the first overall pick in that NHL draft. And um, what, what is your, uh, your look at this first round pick? Uh, I, I'm going to say his name wrong. So I, go ahead and correct me, but La- Lafreniere that you say, right? Yeah, Alex Lafreniere. Okay, so yeah, I did a pretty decent actually. And yeah, uh, good. what is a uh, what is your projection on him? Is he someone that we're going to see play right off the bat? Maybe you know as good as like a Connor McDavid, or are we going to see some work from this guy for just like your just your view on him, uh, especially in the World Juniors, as you just said. Well, I mean he he did put up quite he did juniors, and that doesn't always translate to NHL success, but. I mean, he's got all the all the tools to become an impact player in the NHL, and probably like this draft is probably one of the uh, deepest too. So I mean, he's probably cream of the crop, but you're gonna get quite a few players as you go down the top five, top ten. So I mean, it's he's gonna be a really good player in the NHL. That was a good slate. I hope we have uh, a slate just as good next week as you stop on by. And we'll, we, I'm sure we will as we're getting closer and closer to that all-star game, closer and closer to that all-star break, and even closer to the NHL playoffs. As always, thanks, Matt, for stopping by. I'll see you back here next week.
All right, and I'm here with Ken Cotterell. He's on once again at the in the middle of the week here at the OTH Daily Podcast for an emergency podcast, and that's because his team for uh, Overtime Heroics and number three Duke goes down to Clemson 79-72 last night. I had to get it while it was still fresh. I had to hear his take. I hope that we hear some tears. Hey, Ken, how you doing? I forgot to mention that. What's up, man? <laughs> I mean, I, I've been doing better, obviously, uh, as it had been pointed out to me from uh, some of the other Overtime Heroics college pages. Uh, they didn't like the fact that I uh, don't really do a lot of talk about Duke. So here I am to, uh, you know, get poked at a little bit after that tough loss. If you have anything to say or you want to pick on uh, Ken here, go ahead and hit him up on Twitter at SSBasketballPod. I'm begging you, give him everything you got, especially Tar Heel fans, especially the guys that were getting picked on for losing to Clemson last week for the first time. Anything you name it, bring it on. I, I want to see it. And any any kind of stab you get, go at him on Shooter Shoot at SS Basketball Pod. I promise you I'll retweet over on the OTH Daily Podcast Twitter. But hey, Ken, tell me about this. Tell me about all the all the crap you've been taking. And tell me about this game. What what went wrong? The nine and seven Clemson Tigers couldn't beat, you know, that Clemson couldn't win the national championship, but they could beat number three Duke. They went 79-72. Yeah, I mean, I know that it was a big thing amongst a lot of Duke fans today that they were a bit worried about this game. Obviously, with Clemson losing last night in football, they knew that the crowd was going to be ready to go, and they certainly didn't disappoint. I mean, it was all night. Uh, the crowd was into it. It helped that Clemson was up early, uh, and they never really relinquished that lead. I mean, when you shoot 57% as a team, it's going to be tough to win any of those games. Both teams were terrible at the free throw line, shooting 50%. But, I mean, quite frankly, Clemson just wanted it more. I mean, they have seven more rebounds, two more offensive boards, five more assists. They did have one more turnover, but that didn't really matter. And, I mean, Amir Sims was an absolute animal tonight, 25-9. and nine. And then even uh, Mack out there had 22-9 and nine for them as well. Uh, Duke was without Joey Baker and Wendell Moore tonight, so obviously – uh, they were dipping into their bench a bit more. But, I mean, Matthew Hurt, quite frankly, just disappeared. The guy has two points in the game. Goldwire had only six points. Delorier was zero. Like, I mean, this game could have been a lot worse if Jack White didn't step up and have nine points off the bench. So, I mean, overall, it's it's an ugly result for Duke. But they got to be looking forward because they've got Louisville now, who they stormed back, and it looks like they're going to be knocking off Pitt here. So, I mean, it's it's going to be an absolute battle on the weekend, and uh, I do welcome all of your comments because I do love to uh, chatter quite a bit on the uh, Duke account, that's for sure. Well, that's definitely going to be a great game, and that'll happen on the weekend, so we'll get your take on that Monday morning as you drop your college basketball rankings. As you just dropped earlier, this is going to hurt Duke. We were talking about if they would drop from two uh, after the Baylor-Kansas win. Obviously, they did, and you did have that move, but this is going to drop them a little bit, and you said it about hurt. And the thing that really shocked me is he only shot once. What was that issue? Was he just completely shut down or what happened to, to hurt in this basketball game? As far as I know, like he must've picked up an injury because I missed the first couple minutes of the game. I saw that he had hit an early shot and then he kind of disappeared. So I don't know if it was an injury thing or what it was with him, but I'm assuming that's what it was. I uh, Vernon Carey at least had 20 points and seven rebounds. He continues to show that he's, He's a phenomenal talent. The only thing that's really going to save Duke this week is if they can knock off Louisville because I think people would be a tad more forgiving if you then go and knock off a talented team like Louisville who's ranked 11th in the nation right now. But, 
I mean, they're going to have to win pretty big if they want to even stay in the top five. They're looking like they're going to be slipping to at least seven, if not worse, after this game tonight. Because, quite frankly, you can't lose that game. I get it. It's a road game and it's a tough crowd. But to lose by seven, uh, it's unacceptable. So, And as we just said, Clemson defeating number three Duke in the nation, 79-72. Duke will go on to face Louisville Saturday. Tip-off is 6 o'clock Eastern uh, in Duke. That'll be in Cameron. And as always, thanks. I'll see you back here Monday morning when you're scheduled to be back on. But I definitely had to get you on here. Had to pick at you a little bit. And as I said, if you're listening to this in the morning here, go ahead and hit him up and laugh at him too. Even just give a ha-ha tweet. Hit him up at SS Basketball Pod. Hey, Ken, thanks. I'll see you later on. Sounds good. I welcome the criticism. Von Dalzell is a contributor for OTH and the host of the Outside the Paint podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Von Delzell. Hey, Von, good morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Christian. How are you? Welcome back to the OTH Daily Podcast. Hey, we got a lot to talk about. Some breaking news happened last night. And I want to get right into that one here when we start talking about the NFL. And that's Panthers linebacker Luke Keekley, And he decides abruptly out of the blue, uh, the, the Carolina's captain is calling it quits. Panthers linebacker Luke Keekley has announced via the team's Twitter account that he is retiring after eight seasons in the league. He quotes that he thinks it's never the right time to step away, but he thinks now is the right time. He said it was a tough decision, but it's now the right chance for him to move on. I believe it could be something to do with injuries. I mean, he is a linebacker. You've seen him take a lot of hits and deliver big hits throughout his entire career. He's a seven-time Pro Bowler, five-time first-team All-Pro, 2013 AP Defensive Player of the Year. He had a great career, but unfortunately, it's only going to end after eight years. Your thoughts on this retirement? Yeah, I mean, shocking is an understatement. We've kind of seen forward with linebackers in the past. Uh, Patrick Willis and Chris Borland were two guys that come, kind of come to mind that were dealing with a lot of injuries, uh, mainly concussions. Same thing Luke Kuechly's dealt with. I mean, it's documented that he's had four or five, but you never know if it's truly if guys have more than that and keep things to themselves, which, you know, being a linebacker, you're already as it is, playing a tough position. So not not upsetting that he's going to retire. You know he's doing for his best interest and his health moving forward. But, I mean, what a linebacker. Interceptions since 2012, third most, all time, third most since then. Uh, he has the most tackles in franchise history, third most interceptions in franchise history. Arguably the greatest player defensively for the Carolina Panthers franchise. I'm a Julius Peppers guy. Uh, he's the original OG when it comes to Carolina for me, but uh, I have to say Luke Keekley's right up there with him. He had a fantastic season last year as well. He started all 16 games. He had 144 tackles, two interceptions. He finishes his career with 118 starts in 118 games played. He was an absolute monster on the field. 18 picks, seven forced fumbles, 12 and a half sacks, and over 1,000 tackles, 1,092 total tackles. Luke did have two years left on his contract in Carolina, so he is technically walking walking away from almost $11 million uh, next year in salary, but you know he's made a lot of money in his career. Is Luke Keekley a Hall of Famer? That's something that keeps coming up in my mind. After only being in the league for eight years, do you still believe that he deserves to be in Canton? I mean, yeah, he, he, I mean, just thinking back on my, my generation of watching football, 
uh, Ray Lewis, and he comes mind. Then you have to put him in the Hall of Fame, and uh, hopefully he ends up in Canton because he would have my vote. Another thing to talk about in Carolina is something on the brighter side, but some more news happening in Charlotte, and that's LSU's Joe Brady. He has actually agreed to become the Panthers' offensive coordinator. Joe Brady, who is well-known this year in college football for what he's done with the LSU Tigers, who won the national championship on Monday night, and what he's done with the Heisman Trophy winner in Joe Burrow. He served as LSU's passing game coordinator. He did call the plays under head coach Ed Orgeron with the LSU Tigers, and he helped Joe Burrow uh, throw for over 5,500 yards and 60 touchdowns, only six picks. Very, very impressive ratio. Uh, Your thoughts on this signing for Joe Brady here becoming the offensive coordinator for Carolina. Uh, that's a miraculous stat college or NFL, but the hiring it's magnificent. I mean, what an interesting state of the franchise Carolina's in right now. They've really brought in two college coaches as a head coach and offensive coordinator. Uh, all the talk right now, Kyle Allen seemed like the future. He won his first four games. So I don't really know what they're going to do there, but they have the overall pick. Uh, they just lost Luke Keekley as we talked about. So they can go so many different routes here. But really hot topic for me, drafting one like Tua, uh, play Allen for Smith and the Patrick Mahomes deal. And I think you have a winner if you're not going to try and take next year for Trevor Lawrence because, I mean, they're going to need a quarterback. And I really don't think Kyle Allen's the future. I mean, he did well for, uh, for what he was asked to do. I agree, when, I agree 100%. And, you know, now that – Keekley's gone and the draft pick is there. They hold a top 10 pick at this moment, but a lot of people are talking about it, Vaughn. And I want to bring it up to you. Let's talk about a, a possible crazy situation here. Let's get a hot take going. Is there a possibility that Carolina now that Joe Brady's there tries to make a deal with Cincinnati to move up to number one overall to get Joe Burrow? Now I know it's crazy. Don't get me wrong. I know it's crazy. Who knows if they even have the right prospects? Who knows if Cincinnati's even thinking about trading? But is there that possibility here? I'd love to hear your take. Yeah, I, I really think that if you can get a guy like Joe Burrows, you have to. Uh, I mean, he looks like he's going to be a gener- like generational-type quarterback. He's going to come in and potentially wreck the league, similar to how he just did at LSU in his first full season. But if they have the piece, why not? And that would be um, just a magnificent match for Carolina moving forward with a brand-new head coach and Christian McCaffrey. But uh, I wouldn't around the franchise and get a quarterback next year. But like I said, Christian, keep it in mind. If Tua there, you heard it here first, buddy. He's thinking Tua Tagliavola heads to the Carolina Panthers. That's pretty crazy. I'm going to be honest with you. If they stay at seven where they're at right now, I don't know if he'll be there. I don't know if Tua will be there. I think to me personally, I don't know if you saw one of my latest mock drafts, but I have him, Tua, going at number five to Miami. But that's a whole different yeah. conversation. We can get that going later on. Let's finish off the NFL talk here, and that's another retirement, and that's Chargers tight end Antonio Gates. This one's a little more expected. He played double the time that Keekley did. He played 16 seasons in the NFL. He had eight Pro Bowl appearances, a fantastic career, fantastic career by Antonio Gates, one of the greatest Chargers of all time. He completely revolutionized the position of tight end. And, yeah, what a, what a great what a great career by Antonio Gates. Your thoughts? as we say goodbye yeah. to one of the greatest tight ends in the NFL. Yeah, well, he's retiring as the third most catches all time among tight ends. I mean, obviously he's broke every Chargers record there ha- there has to be uh, receiving-wise. But almost 1,000 catches in his career, 
what a guy. 89 touchdowns between him and Phillip Rivers. The actually the most between a duo, tight end and quarterback tandem in NFL history. So they leave quite a, uh, a um, history behind with those two. I thought that they would have kept him around last year with Hunter Henry's health always in question. But, yeah, what a career for Antonio Gates. Another guy that when you talk about he'll be in Canton and you think about our generation of, uh, of tight ends, he's right up there with the best. I mean, Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates is pretty much the two guys that stick out the past 20 years. So, And I will certainly miss him. He was, he was quite the talent. Basketball guy turned football. Very, very busy day in the NFL yesterday, as we saw. And on a lighter note, it's not NFL, but it's still football. Once the Super Bowl is over, we will have our first season of the new and hopefully improved XFL. And some news coming out of that yesterday was longtime Cincinnati Bengals receiver Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, whatever name you want to call him by, is planning to try out for the XFL team, but not at wide receiver, Vaughn. He's trying out to be a kicker. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one. I know that he's a big soccer fan. Chad Johnson is. Yeah. Um, he also, I think that he also attempted to try out for a professional soccer team at one time, if I'm not mistaken. But he's going to try out to be a kicker in the XFL. I'd love to hear your thoughts as this, as we wrap up football here on a Wednesday morning. It's, it's honestly awesome. I, I thought it was a joke at first. I mean, the past couple of years, he's been a FIFA ambassador. Uh, big worldwide guy. He goes to Las Vegas, plays on the big screens at all the casinos. Uh, he's been on Bleach Report betting, smoking his cigars, making receivers bets. So he's been just, you know, enjoying his retirement as it is. But coming back to the XFL would be awesome. He kicked extra point for the Bengals, if you remember that, against the Patriots way, way back. Uh, did a kickoff as well. Didn't make the kickoff tackle, but he did make the extra point. But it'd be awesome. I'm going to be a New York Guardians fan coming up. Uh, one of my good friends I played high school football with, Demetrius Cox, is defensive back for them. So I'll be at the games. And if, uh, yeah, if Ocho Senko ended up there, I'd be a fan. Just imagine if he hit a game-winning field goal, he might pull a cigar out of his jock strap mid-kick if he hits one. I'm telling you, it's going to be awesome. I can't, <laughs> that, would oh, I be, that would be hilarious. And I hope that something happens like that too, just because I think the XFL is going to be fun. I hope we actually get to see a certain yeah. amount of players actually make a second chance into the NFL. Maybe like something mm -hmm. happened with the XFL years back. I, the, the player that I think of right off the bat is Tommy Maddox, quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers at one point. He was, you know, amazing in the XFL. But, yeah, I'd, I'd really hope. You say you're going to root for New York. I think they're going to be a great team. But I'm going to have to be – I'll tell you what, I'm going to be a, a D.C. Defenders fan. I think they're going to be a fun okay. team. There's a lot of former Buffalo Bills on there. As a Bills fan, I'm looking forward to that. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but I'm really excited. I'm definitely going to be going to at least one D.C. Defenders uh, football game here when the XFL season starts in February. I'd like to shift gears a little bit, Vaughn, and something that's that's really long overdue. And I'm really glad we're talking about it. It needs more coverage. Uh, but let's let's discuss it right now. And that's the WNBA. The WNBA and the WNBA Players Association have announced a new CBA, new collective bargaining agreement. And it's. It's well-deserved for the players. The players yeah. have – oh, man, when you look at the stats, I'm going to read them off to you because they need to be said. They need to be shown. Now, I'm going to state it right now that there's still a long way to go, but it is so impressive what that they're finally taking this step forward and trying to get it to where uh, these guys deserve it. They're, the salary cap is increasing 30% up to $1.3 million. There's the max salary is increasing from $117,000 to $215,000, almost a $100,000 increase. The rookie salary is increasing by 
starting in the 2021 season, we're going to see 50-50 revenue sharing, which is something that's been really successful in the NBA. Uh, the off-season league and team marketing agreements are going to have a minimum of $1.6 million. And also beginning in the 21 season, minimum prize money for special competitions. So there's going to be more of those is three quarters of a million dollars. As I said, this is very well deserved for the WNBA. Yeah. Your thoughts about this, but I'm super excited for this league. Very much deserved. Yeah, they've been steadily growing over the past couple of years, especially the past five years. Women's basketball has come a long way collegiately and professionally but professionally obviously they don't get enough coverage i mean you kind of hit on it i would love to see them on espn or cbs or fox sports more rr instead of watching cornhole and these other ridiculous sports or uh casino casino games but that's a whole nother conversation got the cba deal is is transcending for the sport I mean, with the some of the players able to earn up to half a million dollars, three hundred thousand dollars after all these competitions and uh, these new cash compensations happen, is miraculous for the league. They've been underpaid for a long time now, and finally that it's exceeding six figures for the average, is just a huge accomplishment as that is. Um, you figure that these they're professional athletes and they're not making six figures. That's kind of a shocking for most people because they just assume, but obviously the WNBA has been making a lot more money lately and that will come with more TV share. But the most important aspect, I think maybe not the most important, but the most interesting to hit on would probably be the motherhood and family planning. Um, they didn't have too much of that going on in previous years with the new, under the old deal, but now they uh, did a full salary for maternity leave, uh, $5,000 stipend if you have a child and you, they also buy you a two bedroom apartment in the city that you play in. If so that's just that's huge moving forward for the league, and it's showing that they care a lot about the players and uh, the new people that are in management are making the right decisions for the WNBA. I agree 100%. I think the WNBA is going to grow even more now uh, because of this CBA. I think we're going to see more televised events. I think that we're going to see more fans. I think that, you know, I think this last WNBA finals, because it was the most watched WNBA finals in, in history of the league, is only going to be a start of it, and this CBA is making it even better. I'm here once again, Vaughn Dalzell, on the OTH Daily Podcast. Vaughn, I'm so glad you're here. But before I let you go, I'd like to talk about the NBA just a little bit. Uh, we'll have a big discussion on the NBA tomorrow as OTH director will be on, our OTH director will be on the show. But hey, starting tomorrow, starting tonight, I should say, starting tonight, the Raptors Mark Gasol is planning to return against the Oklahoma City Thunder. He has been out of the lineup since December 18th, but he plans on returning. Your thoughts about this, how big Spain's going to do, and uh, his? you think he's going to really be able to get this Raptors back on the pace and maybe be ready to uh, start defending for the top of the Eastern Conference? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're sitting in the fourth spot right now, uh, 25 and 14. They're looking good. I'm, they've been a dominant team with or without most of their starters. They just got Pascal Spicy P. Siakam back. I love the guy. Uh, he's and throwing Gasol down the middle, whether he's coming off the bench and you're sliding Ibaka back into that six-man role or you keep Gasol in the six-man role, you have a solid guy there that's going to play his position and do what you ask him no matter what. This is 11th season in the league. I mean, he finally got a ring last year. I still think the Raptors are a title contender in the Eastern Conference because it's so weak. I think they could take any team in the East games outside of Milwaukee right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's averaging seven points and seven rebounds. And he's considered, you know, instrumental part of this team offensively and defensively. So it's going to be huge for him to come back. And I, I like the 
Chargers team a lot. I, I think that they're a contender um, just with the tight-knit group they have in that locker room. But I don't think that they're going to be able to win it all or go to the finals back-to-back. Yeah, that would definitely be a tough feat, especially without, you know, Kawhi Leonard, obviously, who was a big deal of letting yeah. them get there last season. And a lot of people like to bring up the Golden State Warriors injuries as well. But, hey, Vaughn, as always, thanks for being on the show. Hope to have you on again soon. Uh, hopefully it's not another last-minute thing of me shooting you a text and saying, hey, want to come on? And uh, <laughs> hopefully it's more planned out. But, hey, thanks as always. And uh, I'll see you back here hopefully sooner than later. That'll do it for today's episode, January 15th, 2020, here at the OKH Daily. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Hey, I'm going to keep bringing it up until you guys hop on Twitter and get at Shooter. Get at Ken. Knock him out at SS Basketball Pod. Tell him about that Duke game. Let him know. Check out the highlights if you did not watch the game, just so you can smack talk him. I want to see as much Twitter smack talk we can against Ken. I want to see it happen, but... uh Hey, but once again, thanks for stopping by, guys. We will see you back here tomorrow at the OTH Daily Podcast. Take care now. Thanks for listening. Tune in weekdays right here at the OTH Daily Podcast.